Welcome back everyone. Today we're going to take a look at seven quality stocks that are all reasonably valued. To find these stocks, we must first establish what defines a quality stock, and also how can we measure its valuation to know whether it's reasonably valued or not. Let's start with quality first. While there is no ideal way to define a quality stock quantitatively, there are a few metrics we can look at that may indicate that the underlying business is strong. This is purely my opinion, based on what I have learned from successful investors that made sense to me. Okay, so I like to look at four financial metrics that all feed into each other, giving us a loop of what I like to call the basic definition of a strong business. It all starts with revenue. How much money is the company bringing in through sales or services, or whatever function their business serves? Every company needs to generate a revenue stream, sooner or later, if they intend on thriving in the economy. Ideally, what you want to see is for a business to have steady and consistent growth in top-line revenue. This means there is more cash flowing in that can be used to improve operations, fund new ideas, and generate returns for shareholders. The second important metric is the gross profit, or gross margin. In other words, how much of revenue is left after direct costs are subtracted? You want to seek out companies with very high gross margins. Because when you have a high gross margin, it means there is more cash left over after all direct costs are paid that can be used for other purposes. This cash can be reinvested back into the business. It can be used to pay down debt or it can be returned to shareholders. In a nutshell, a high gross margin allows the business to be more financially flexible, and this also comes in very handy during recessions. Okay, so we have a growing revenue stream, coupled with a high gross margin. And next, we want to see how efficient a company is at turning their profits into free cash flow. For this, we can look at the free cash flow conversion ratio, which is basically taking the free cash flow figure and dividing it by the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Companies that generate high levels of free cash flow relative to their earnings are in a better position to use that cash flow for the benefit of shareholders. And the last key metric we want to look at is the return on capital employed. Because what's the point of having a growing, profitable, and efficient cash flow machine if it isn't able to reinvest that cash flow to generate an adequate level of future return? The return on capital employed measures profitability, and more specifically, how efficient the company is with its capital. So we have these four metrics that essentially capture the life cycle of cash flow for a company, and they can give us an idea if the company is able to do this efficiently while also growing. By looking at historical data, we can find companies that fit these characteristics of a quality business. But the important thing to ask yourself is whether a given company can continue to grow and remain competitive in their industry. This is a little bit more difficult to judge, but if you focus on businesses that have a long-term track record of success, and ones that have built an economic moat around their company, it's a little easier to believe that they may continue to thrive in the future. Once we find a quality stock, the next big hurdle is to determine whether or not it is reasonably valued. Valuation is more art than science, and even the best valuation models can be wrong, because they all rely on the assumption that you can accurately predict the rate at which a given company will grow in the future. I like to approach valuation from a more simplistic viewpoint, and my preferred method revolves around reversion to the mean. What this means is that essentially, over a longer time frame, a quality business will cycle between being overvalued and undervalued, mainly driven by short-term market sentiment. But in the long run, the return a stock will generate will be directly correlated to the growth of the underlying business. Therefore, stable and growing companies that are efficient at turning sales into profits and further into free cash flow, and they have a good track record of generating a healthy return on their capital employed, will see this growth reflected in their stock price in due time. So my two main valuation techniques are dividend yield theory and PE multiples. I like to measure both these data points over a longer time frame and look at where a given company is trading today relative to how it traded during the last five to seven years. This too isn't a perfect valuation model, 
but I believe it can show me a decent snapshot of what a reasonable valuation for a given business may be. I recently built a Google spreadsheet that can help me quickly analyze a stock for the four quality metrics and its valuation, and I've been slowly adding more and more stocks to this spreadsheet. As of right now, I have 28 companies added to this tool, and if you're a Patreon member, you already have access to this workbook. Today I want to showcase 7 out of these 28 stocks that all ranked pretty well in terms of business quality, and they all appear to be reasonably valued. So in no particular order, let's go through all 7. First up we have Texas Instruments, ticker symbol TXN. Texas Instruments has a good ROCE score, an average revenue score, and a very high gross margin score. Unfortunately it doesn't have a free cash flow conversion score, but we'll get to that a little bit later. In terms of dividends, they rank very high, and their payout ratio is average. So overall, their quality score is high, and their dividend score is high. Let's take a quick look at each metric. I'll start with total revenue, and we can see that generally revenue has grown for Texas Instruments, with the exception of 2019 and 2020, where we saw a small pullback compared to 2018. Revenue started to grow again in 2021 and 2022, and more recently we've seen a small pullback again in the trailing 12-month figures. Long-term growth trends are all positive, albeit not very high. But overall, Texas Instruments looks pretty good from a total revenue perspective. Looking at their gross margin, we can see very high and very consistent figures. The gross margin has been slowly improving since 2013, from the low to mid 50% range to sitting above 60% today. This is a very strong and healthy gross profit ratio. Looking at the free cash flow conversion ratio, we can see a negative figure for the trailing 12-month data point, which is giving us an error in the quality rating. Historically, Texas Instrument looked pretty decent from 2013 on to 2020. Then in 2021, we saw a dip in the free cash flow conversion ratio, and another dip in 2022, and the trailing 12-month figure looks pretty bad as well. This is a little bit unfavorable, and ideally you'd want to see these figures tick back up again. Scrolling back up to the return on capital employed, we can see pretty decent returns for Texas Instruments that have generally improved since 2013. Short-term growth trends have been a little weaker, and we can see negative figures here. But even the most recent trailing 12-month figure is a respectable 30%. Let's take a quick look at the dividend history. We can see pretty consistent and steady growth from Texas Instruments, with both the short and long-term trends sitting close to or in the double digits. The payout ratio has oscillated a little bit during the last 10 years, but has remained pretty decent in that 50-60% to 60% range. Okay, as far as valuation, Texas Instruments currently trades for about $169, and we can see a fair price from the PE multiple of $176 and dividend yield theory of about $181. Averaging these two out, we get a fair price of $178 and some change, implying that Texas Instruments is potentially 5% undervalued right now, which to me looks like a pretty reasonable valuation for the company. Taking a closer look at the historical PE valuation, we can see that Texas Instruments has generally followed their PE multiple valuation pretty well, and their trailing 5-year PE multiple has remained pretty consistent, right around 20. Looking at dividend yield theory, we can see a pretty similar picture, the stock has followed the fair valuation pretty consistently during the last 7 years, and has offered pretty steady dividend yields. The current dividend yield is 2.88%, which is just a little bit higher than the 5-year average of 2.69%. In my opinion, Texas Instruments is a quality business, and it's pretty reasonably valued today. Next up on the list is Robert Half International, ticker symbol RHI, and we can see that they have a good ROCE score, a good revenue score, a high gross margin, and a good free cash flow conversion ratio. In terms of dividends, they get a very high score, and their payout ratio is good. So overall, their quality score is 74%, which is good, and their dividend score is 85%, which is pretty high. Let's take a closer look at the data now. I'll start with total revenue, and we can see that generally revenue has grown pretty consistently for RHI, 
There was a small pullback in 2020, but things got back on track in 2021. The gross margin has been pretty steady and consistent, right around 40%. The free cash flow conversion ratio has oscillated up and down. Normally, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency here, but these figures aren't bad. The return on capital employed has also oscillated up and down. But generally, with the exception of 2020, the ROC has been around 40% or higher, which is pretty good. Robert Half International has a pretty good dividend history, with very consistent short and long-term growth right around 10%. Their payout ratio is pretty healthy too. With the exception of 2020, it's hovered in that 30-40% to 40% range. As far as valuation, RHI currently trades for around $75. Based on its PE multiple, we get a fair price of $85, and dividend yield theory suggests $86 is the fair price. Averaging them both out, we get a fair price of about $86, implying that RHI is about 12% undervalued today. And the current share price is actually very close to the attractive buy price, which is a 15% discount to the fair value price. Looking at the historical PE valuation, we can see that the fair value zones have moved up and down as earnings have oscillated during the last 7 years. But the actual stock price, indicated by the black line here, has moved in line with the earnings. In general, the 5-year PE ratio has trended down during the last 7 years, starting around 20 and currently sitting a little bit lower than 17. Dividend yield theory gives us a little bit more consistency in the fair valuation zones, as dividend growth stocks generally see their dividends increase from year to year. We don't see that fluctuation that we see with earnings per share. We can see that RHI was grossly overvalued in that 2021 stock market rally, and in 2022 came tumbling down back into the fair value zone. In my opinion, it's a good high quality business, and it's pretty reasonably valued today. Number 3 today is Monolithic Power Systems, ticker symbol MPWR. They have a good ROCE score, a very high revenue score, a very high gross margin, and a below average free cash flow conversion ratio. In terms of dividends, they rank high, and their payout ratio score is pretty high as well. Overall, the quality score is 76%, which is good, and the dividend score is 84%, which is high. Taking a look at their revenues, we can see pretty consistent and very high growth during the last decade. The gross margin has been very consistent, right around 55%, and has generally been improving their last decade. In terms of free cash flow conversion, Monolithic Power Systems isn't the best company. We can see a negative ratio in 2017, and once more in 2019 coupled with a handful of decent years, where the free cash flow conversion ratio was closer to 50%. And that's why Monolithic Power Systems gets a pretty low quality score of just 39%. Taking a look at their return on capital employed, we can see a very good and mostly consistent improvement during the last decade, with their return on capital improving from 7% to nearly 30%. Monolithic Power Systems doesn't have a long dividend history, but it's been growing their dividend very quickly, with both the 3 and 5 year growth rate sitting above 20%, and a 10-year dividend growth rate of nearly 80%. Their payout ratio has been improving from year to year, dipping below 50% in 2021 and 40% in 2022. In terms of valuation, Monolithic Power Systems currently trades for a $515. The PE multiple valuation gives us a fair price of $610, and based on dividend yield theory, we get a fair price of $422. When we average these two out, we get a fair price of $516 which is right in line with where the stock currently trades. So we see a favorable valuation using the PE multiple, and a more conservative valuation using dividend yield theory. I don't necessarily favor one over the other, so I'd say monolithic power systems is pretty reasonably valued today. Next up on the list is Rollins, and we can see that they have an average ROCE score, a high revenue score, a very high gross margin score, and a good free actual conversion ratio score. In terms of dividends, they get a very high score, and an average payout ratio score. So overall, the quality score is an 80%, which is good, and the dividend score is 79%, which is also good.
Taking a look at the revenue stream, we can see pretty consistent and stable growth. The gross margin is an almost straight line, right around 50%. The free cash flow conversion ratio has been pretty consistent in that 50-60% to 60% range. In terms of return on capital employed, we've seen a small dip during the last 4 years or so, but this 20-30% to 30% range is still a pretty healthy range to be in. We can see a pretty strong history of dividend growth. I'm going to have to double check my numbers to see if I have a bad figure for 2020. Looking at the short and long term trends, we can see pretty strong double digit dividend growth. The payout ratio has been creeping up a little bit, but it's still at a comfortable 60% today. In terms of valuation, Rollins currently trades for $40 per share. Looking at the PE multiple, we get a fair price of $42, and dividend yield theory gives us a fair price of $46. This averages out to $44 which implies that Rollins is about 10% undervalued right now. Looking at the PE valuation, we can see that the price has tracked the valuation zones pretty well. But please keep in mind that Rollins has a very high current PE ratio. It's sitting right around 50, and historically, it has been in that range. And during the last 7 years, it's actually climbed from the high 30s to the low 50s now. The dividend yield theory chart paints the same picture. Overall, I think Rollins is a good quality business, and it looks reasonably valued right now. Up next, we have Accenture, ticker symbol ACN. It has an average ROCE score, a high revenue score, a good gross margin score, a high free cash flow conversion score. In terms of dividends, it gets a high score, and a very high score for the payout ratio. So overall, the quality score is 75%, which is good, and the dividend score is 88%, which is high. Revenue growth during the last decade has been pretty stable and consistent. The gross margin has been pretty consistent as well, right around 30%. Accenture has a pretty healthy free cash flow conversion ratio that has remained above 50% during the last decade, and on a few occasions exceeding 75%. The return on capital employed has been trending down, but it's still sitting at a pretty decent range, close to 30%. Dividend growth has been pretty strong, right around 9-10%. And again, I'm going to have to double check my numbers here, as I'm pretty sure Accenture didn't cut their dividend in 2019. During the past decade, the payout ratio has generally improved, from sitting just north of 40% to slightly below 40% today. In terms of valuation, Accenture currently trades for $323. The PE multiple valuation gives us a fair price of $331. And using dividend yield theory, we get a fair price of $320. Averaging them out, we get a fair price of $326, which implies that Accenture is potentially just slightly undervalued right now. Looking at the historical PE valuation, we can see that Accenture doesn't generally go on sale. So this might be a unique opportunity to pick up shares of the stock if you think it's a quality business and has the potential for strong future returns. My only concern here would be that the 5-year average PE multiple has trended higher during the last 7 years, from slightly below 20 to closer to 30 today. Looking at the historical dividend yield theory chart, we get the same impression that Accenture is generally overvalued, and today might be a decent time to pick up shares of the stock if you think it's a good business. Up next on the list we have MasterCard, ticker symbol MA. They have a good ROCE score, a high revenue score, a good gross margin score, and a good free cash flow conversion ratio score. In terms of dividends, they get a very high score and a good payout ratio score. Overall, the quality score is 79%, which is good, and dividend score is 89%, which is high. We can see pretty strong and consistent growth in total revenues, a very good and high gross margin, and a pretty strong free cash flow conversion ratio. The return on capital employed dipped a little bit in 2020, but it since started to recover and returned back to long-term trends right around 50%. MasterCard has a very good streak of short and long-term dividend growth and their payout ratio is very healthy, sitting near 20%. In terms of valuation, MasterCard currently trades for $413. Looking at the PE multiple valuation, we get a fair price of $429, and dividend yield theory gives us a fair price of $398. This averages out to a fair price of $413.
implying that MasterCard is potentially fairly valued today. The stock does trade for a pretty high PE multiple of about 36, but looking at the historical PE multiples for MasterCard, we can see that it's typically traded at a pretty high multiple, so this may be a normal range for MasterCard. The stock pays a pretty pathetic dividend yield of 0.53%. So if you're looking for a company with a high dividend yield, MasterCard is not that company. But if you're looking for a dividend company with high dividend growth and a strong capital appreciation rate, I think you should give MasterCard a closer look. And the last company today is MasterCard's rival, Visa, ticker symbol V. It has a high ROCE score, a high revenue score, a very high gross margin score, and a good free cash flow conversion ratio score. In terms of dividends, they rank very high and have a good payout ratio score. The overall quality score is 84%, which is high, and the overall dividend score is 89%, which is also high. We can see that total revenues have grown at pretty strong rates, and they've been pretty consistent. Visa has a very high gross margin, around 96%, and they're pretty good at converting profits into free cash flow, with strong free cash flow conversion ratios, between 50 and 70%. In terms of return on capital employed, there's been some ups and downs for Visa, but we can see that it's generally stayed above 20%, and more recently improved to 30%. Dividend growth has been strong and pretty consistent, and the payout ratio has remained very low, between 20 and 25%. In terms of valuation, Visa currently trades for about $246. Looking at the PE multiple valuation, we get a fair price of $274, and dividend yield theory gives us a fair price of $267. Averaging these two out, we get a fair price of $270, which implies that Visa is about 9% undervalued right now. So it may actually be a better option to look at instead of MasterCard, given that it has a more favorable valuation right now. And Visa does pay a slightly better dividend yield of 0.73%, which is still very low for a dividend stock, but it is 20 basis points higher than MasterCard. Okay, that's it for today. I'd be curious to know what you think of these seven companies. Please let me know in the comments below. If you enjoyed the content, please do me a huge favor and give this podcast a 5-star rating. Thank you for listening and see you next time.